The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Work. You're listening to Jones and Brown. Both of you what's going on everybody we are back for another week another episode of jonesy and brown we are into what week three week going into week four of the football season oh man this season it's, it's been a lot going on i've i've had some of my questions answered i've still have plenty of questions this is what's I'll, I'll tell you this. This is what sucks about football season. It's already we're already a month in. We're almost a we're it's twenty five percent gone almost twenty five percent gone. Feel like it just started. That's the thing about like baseball, basketball, hockey. It's a grind, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's a couple, you know. It, it but you get six months out long. of it too. Yeah, football but, seems like it's over as soon as it starts. Just like started it. now, you know. Season's already <laughs> over. Uh, you know, I've put away my Eagles T-shirts. I'm pulling out my Eagles sweatshirts. Mm-hmm. You pull you out know, your Sixers jersey too, right? Bro, at, for people, oh, you thought I was going to let that slide? Look, man, my, I'm not letting that slide. My office is really junky right now, and I didn't want to go on YouTube. With a big pile of junk over my shoulder, so, so you I put took, a bigger pile of junk behind your shoulder. Yes, to make it look neater. <laughs> Two negatives equal a positive. <laughs> Two negatives equal a positive. I got a. I have a. I have an old. I, I, I have an old Ben Simmons jersey covering a big pile of junk. Excuse me, no, no, I do not have a Ben Simmons jersey. I, I have an old Jeff Malone jersey. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call it. An old it, Jeff Malone jersey. So that jersey says Malone on the back. In my mind, it does. <laughs> In my it, it when I look at it, I look at Jeff Malone because Jeff Malone shot jumpers. Jeff oh, Malone man. hit threes. But anyway, we got we got a big show. Absolutely. Because like I was saying, I still got a couple a lot of questions left about the Eagles. And there, honestly, there's one person I want to talk to when I got questions about the Eagles because I are, know are this guy. I, are you saying I can't? Oh no, I don't want to ask. You can. It just won't be a quality answer. But this guy, I know he covers the team. He's he's literally inside the birds. You know, he he's the man from inside the birds, Mister Jeff Mosher. How you guys doing, man? What's going on? Appreciate oh you, man, we're good. Thank Thanks for, for taking your time. Great to catch up with you, fellas. Always, always. Jeff, uh, absolutely. You got, you got a, a, a monster on your hands, man. Inside the birds is just blowing up. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so, like right now, and, and I say this not just because uh, we've known you for a couple of years, not just because you're a friend, not because, not just, not just because you'll come on the show whenever we ask you to. And, <laughs> and that's pretty clutch too. But honestly, inside the birds probably has the the best pregame coverage of of Eagles football going right now. Oh, I appreciate that. That is appointment viewing right now. You 
you, Jason Avant, Greg Cosell, y'all, y'all do y'all thing, man. And, 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 and don't sleep on Inside the Birds Radio the day after games either. No, no. <laughs> you, you know, that's a quality listen only thing as well. That would make Inside the Birds uh, Radio even better is if Jonesy and Brown had like five to ten minutes on, on that piece. <laughs> but, but that's for another. That, that that's for another uh, conversation. But Thank you, honestly, my creative director. <laughs> <laughs> but, but honestly, you know, how how long have you been doing this now? This, this is about four or five years now, right? Well, you know, Inside the Birds podcast was hatched in the summer of 2018. So we are. That's four years. You know, we're into our fifth season. Mm-hmm. Um, the pregame show itself is in year three, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it's become. It's. it's it, I feel like you guys, because I feel like a, a spectator. I know I, I host the show, but I really just throw it to Jason Avant, Greg Cosell, and Adam Kaplan, um, and learn. It's and that's my favorite part of our show. I think that somewhere along the line, and I get it. Networks have to cater to a, a much bigger demographic. And so they also have three hours, right? The three hour, and you got to go through every game. So you get your, you sort of fluff pieces, you get your humor, you get your impersonation guy. Like, like uh-huh. the NFL pregame show has kind of become a, a three ring circus. Uh, and what I appreciate about our show is that I, I don't think it's mundane or boring, but it's really X's and O's and for football junkies and people who mm. want to really understand the Eagles matchup against their opponent. And um, there's nothing wrong with, like pieces, enterprise pieces, store personal personality profiles and stuff that TV does. But I think in our two hours of time, what we do better than anyone is just break down the game of football and put it in a way that the, the fan can understand it and get educated from it. And so I'm proud of what we've done. And I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to, you know, next year. What we, I'm always trying to add. We're, we're always trying to add to it, mm-hmm. make it better, make it more presentable. And by the way, we now just started our post game show for the first time uh, with Trey Thomas, me, Adam Kaplan, Trey Thomas. And that's just a whole other animal too, because Trey's personality is so dynamic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that I've been, I've enjoyed kind of adding that to the ITV empire, as we call it. You know, my biggest, I was going to say my biggest memory of Trey Thomas was when he came up, did the sports shop mm. uh, and I shook the man's hand and his hand swallowed like half of my arm yeah like he had some of the biggest biggest paws i've ever encountered in my life you know you know what i remember about that too is and i had known trey but i saw a side to him that he brought because he knew we were he was at the shop we're mm-hmm. gonna talk everything we we're gonna talk some eagles football obviously you remember he brought the notepad and the clipboard mm-hmm. remember that yeah and he came like, prepared i was like whoa okay this is like I, he doesn't know the shop is like you know we're like we're in a shop here we're not we're not in a film room right but he didn't care and he's kind of mm-hmm. like that. He did our pregame show with us year one, too, and he does the same way. I mean, mm-hmm. X's, O's, breaking it down, and then same thing with the postgame show. Like, I guess, you know, working with you and, and knowing you for so long, and, like, I know your history with Jonesy is slightly different from mine. I knew you way back in the day at Comcast Sportsnet, and then, you know, you we, we everyone moves on to, to, you know, bigger and better things. But now you see the landscape of media changing. Yeah. Where, you know, there are more, there are more Eagles podcasts. Mm-hmm. You know, people are, cre- you know, people are creating their own shows. Like oh, for yeah. you, like, what was it like to 
to create your own lane. Like you literally created your own lane, created a a, a podcast that is head and shoulders above a lot, you know, a lot of other Eagles podcasts that are out there. Then you you then move on and say, hey, we're going to take on the big boys and create <laughs> our own. Like that takes guts. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. You know the backstory, and I won't bore everybody with how how it came together bit by bit but you know i'm fortunate enough to have been able to follow my dreams like a lot of people have jobs they don't like but it's mm-hmm. either they pay well or that's their they discovered later in life that they don't like it but there was no yeah. way out i always wanted to be in the sports media so and i i really when i was a kid i wanted to be a sports center anchor you know yeah. um Ooh. that's why I, I can't i went to penn state to be a sports center anchor and i came out a sports writer because i just in my four years fell in love with writing instead so I was fortunate enough to get job and then work my way up and then become an Eagles reporter. And then I think when I went to Comcast, Jonesy uh, and, and JB, I sort of fulfilled that dream so, like halfway of SportsCenter Anchor because I was mm-hmm. on TV. I was talking sports. I wasn't anchoring. But then at that point, I didn't want to be an anchor. I wanted to be more of an analyst. I had learned so much about the game. And that was my favorite job. It's still to this day. The, the best job I ever had was the three years I was at Comcast Sportsnet. Um, but I have one more dream as a kid i loved sports talk radio and when things were coming to the end of the contract i mean no need to go i left on my own but you know mm-hmm. I, I wanted to stay but i left on my own so the first thing i did was go work at the fanatic took the opportunity and thankful that they hired me um to work there on a part-time basis so then i was fulfilling that part of my dream i had been a sports reporter i had covered the biggest of the big you know i covered a super bowl um and now i'm in sports talk radio and i'm loving that and, uh, you know, just like everybody in their personal lives, you may have a dream, you may have a, a pinnacle of your, your job you're trying to reach, and mm-hmm. sometimes there's a detour. And as much fun as I had being a host of the Fanatic, I could see that I was not getting to the, the pinnacle there. I wasn't getting the opportunity that I wanted to be, you know, somewhere in morning, midday, after drive time, whatever. So, you know, around that time, 2015, is when Adam Kaplan had been at ESPN he was among all those layoffs that they did when they let off all their great talent because they changed mm-hmm. direction too. And he came to me and he's like, you know, let's do a podcast. He had a friend who, mm-hmm. who was on the um, practice squad for the Eagles in the 90s named Billy Osborne. Um, I got to know Billy a little bit. Let's do a podcast. And I knew nothing about podcasts, right? Not, mm-hmm. not one single thing other than be, <laughs> that people listened to him. I, I just <laughs> I didn't listen to him, but people did. So to long story short, we did a couple of pilot podcasts. They wound up drawing a lot of listens we were surprised um at the time there was a lot of fan like you were saying jb there's a lot of people out there doing eagles content eagles podcast but not a lot at the time there wasn't a lot of reporters mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. ones who are as dialed in as me and adam were so then we we said let's not just do a regular podcast let's do like a reporter like a sunday notebook the old newspaper sunday newspaper style mm-hmm. podcast where we're just dropping you know as much inside knowledge as we got and it worked. And then, you know, after about a year of just being a podcast, uh, we went off kind of on our own independently. And then we always had the idea, well, what can we do more now? You know, mm-hmm. like we're starting to learn more about this content creation space. And then that's when the YouTube channel came, the Facebook group, community group came, um, the radio job of the fanatic as inside the birds came, you know, like and mm-hmm. the pregame show came and the postgame show and and then the website inside the birds.com that we write on. So every day is for me, it's like wearing different hats. I'm still a reporter, 
but I'm also now I'm like a web administrator. I'm a co-founder of a company and I dedicate my, my now calling. What I love doing is trying to figure out how I'm going to, me and Adam are going to keep building it and making it better. This man's a boss right there. That's, that's <laughs> all, all I'm hearing is just straight boss moves right there. I well, mean, it's cool to be your own boss. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, I, I hear that. And, and what is it? Like, what's that like? You know, you, you talked about, you know, moving on from the fanatic. You said you didn't see things going the way you wanted them to. to. But then they come back to you. You launch inside the birds. And now they want you, you know, they, they want you back. Yeah. Is that like, I mean. Yeah, man. I'm like Doug Peterson, right? Coming into uh, <laughs> a. No, no, no. Listen, um, I've always. I, I, I will tell I I'm not like a bitter feelings person. That's why I'm back at the fanatic as far as mm-hmm. inside the birds, because I respect mm-hmm. the the audience, I respect the station, I respect the people there. And I will tell you to this day, I die that my favorite job was working alongside guys like Derek Gunn and Jim Sarasbury, yourself, uh, the camera crews, the mm-hmm. Rob Ellis, like all the people at Comcast Sportsnet. That was my favorite job because when you come from a newspaper and you work in the sports department, everybody thinks you work in the toy department. They don't think you work hard, you know? They don't. Th- they think you just watch sports and write about it, and that's it. They don't really understand the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into that job. But when you work at Comcast Sportsnet, now NBC Sports Philadelphia, everybody there is putting their blood, sweat, and tears into their profession, which is based on sports. So, like, there's no mm-hmm. stigmas. There's no stereotypes. And people know that you're there to work your ass off. And you get yeah. a mutual respect. The writers respect the TV people. The TV people respect the cameras. The cameras respect the, the reporters and vice versa. And everybody's on the same page. But mm-hmm. to your point about the industry, the only downside from, from a lower-level standpoint, like a grounds – you and I, we were on the front floor, right? Mm-hmm. What you what you realize, whether you work at the Fanatic, where you work at a newspaper, where you work at CSN or NBC Philly, is that a lot of decisions that are made, like from up top, are sort of from people who are disconnected from the industry, and they're always pivoting to a new approach. This is our, you know, they always come back from a meeting somewhere in either Stanford, Connecticut, or wherever Beasley's headquarters. Like, mm-hmm. This is what we're going to focus on. And that's opposite of what we were focusing on last year Before, yeah. because they're always <laughs> reactive to what the trends are. You remember, mm-hmm. I, listen, I don't have to call out a couple, oh, one specific company in the sports media decided to do nothing but videos on their website, right? One year, mm-hmm. like, they stopped writing, they stopped doing it. It was just videos and highlights of 30 seconds. That didn't work well for them mm-hmm. because Twitter mm-hmm. came along and changed that. Everybody has seen the videos already on, on, social, on, on social media. So the cool thing about Inside the Birds is that we have an identity and our identity is to say, I think people are a little bit tired. I could be wrong. I'm willing to find out of watching shows where people are just screaming at each other. I think people are just Mm -hmm. tired of just really bad takes. And the fact that some people are literally employed because they throw out bad takes. Mm -hmm. Like they're literally certain networks. There's literally certain networks. I've stopped. I mean, I, I can't watch anymore. Right, because it's right. all is not it's not even like I can deal with a debate, mm-hmm. but a contrived debate exactly. where you just throw stuff out because sure. we got these five minutes to fill. So sure, sure, let's think, argue about the same right. thing rehashed yeah. in a, from a different angle that we argued about last week Tuesday. Right, I think that that's kind of jumped the shark. I really mm-hmm. do, and mm-hmm. even though that, there are there are more shows like it, I I just think that our audience has always reached out to us and said. You know, you, you might be wrong about I might disagree with you in your mm-hmm. take, Jeff or Adam, but I know you're not sitting there just saying it to make me mad or saying mm-hmm. it 
to generate a clickbait or anything like that. We're just really all about our sources, our intel, and what that leads us to analyze. That's real substance right there. Because I, I think because because I think that that's the difference between that and, and the hot tech artists. Like mm-hmm. you might say something, and I've said this to different people we've had on the show. They're like, I, I don't I've disagreed with people. I thought people were dead wrong. People will say something, and I'm like, look, you know, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. And then I'm right back there next time they say something, next time they put out a show, next time they have an article or whatever, reading. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the people I like. People I, who who I di- who I disagree with, who I might not see eye to eye with, but still put out good content. Like when you give me facts, say, it's facts. When you give yeah. me opinion, it's at least thoughtful opinion. Right. <laughs> we might, you know, we might not agree on Jalen Hurts. We might not agree on how Carson Wentz, you know, what do you believe that Howie Roseman is a good GM or not? You know, those those are things that we can agree with or just, you know, agree to mm-hmm. disagree, whatever. Sure. But sometimes, sure. you know, there are people out here. And and, and the thing is, it's like the, the, the act, you know, the whole thing about the hot take, it's not new. That didn't come with social media. There have been hot takes mm-hmm. in this city for decades. Oh, you know? yeah. You know, oh, before yeah. it's like before you know they were on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, people were spewing their hot takes. Takes on, on the radio, on the radio, in the barbershops, in the yep. newspapers. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it, we've heard them, you know, and, yep. and I felt like I, you know, and I, that's probably you know like a running thing that I say to people all the time when it's like, all right, people talk about. You know, opinions on Hertz or opinions on uh, Sirianni. But I remember when they were saying something like that about uh, about Randall and Buddy <laughs> and Kotite. You know, yeah. it doesn't change. It, it, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, all right, but um, switch gears a little bit because I want to talk about the actual team that we've got going on this year. There's a yes. there's a lot of talk that. They're generating a lot of interest around national attention early in the year from the way they look. Um, Everybody's talking about Jalen Hurts and the offense and such, and we'll get to that. But I want to start with the defense. Last year, year, early in the year, we had you on, and I remember asking you about Jonathan Gannon's scheme. Was it 4-3? Was it 3-4? Uh, it turns out it's some sort of hybrid, and as such, I get JB will tell you from no October, November on, I led the charge for wanting to draft Jordan Davis and have a true nose in there that could, you know, anchor that ski because we know Fletcher Cox is not, he's as good as he is, he's not a nose, right. Hargrave, as good as he is, he's not a real nose. Correct. And to run certain formations, you need a guy who can really be that Vince Wilfork, Vita Vea type space eater, force a double team. and Yeah. Clog a gap. Yeah. But to this point, I we haven't necessarily seen as much usage from Jordan Davis as we might have anticipated given that he was a number one pick. What's going on there? Well, you know, I know at Inside the Birds we tried to put as much information out there so that people would understand when the season started Mm -hmm. um, of what to expect. But, you know, not everybody listens. That's okay. And and, uh, you you have to go back to Georgia. And Kirby Smart is a national champion head coach. He's pretty smart. 
mm-hmm. no pun intended. Jordan Davis only played about 20 snaps a game at Georgia. He did not play a lot of their defensive snaps. A couple of reasons why. One, they have a very talented D-line. That's, you know, he wasn't the only talent, obviously. Mm-hmm. Two, he's 350 pounds. Um, there were times where his weight fluctuated at Georgia, as we understand it. And um, with a guy that big, I mean, you guys remember the Sean Andrews saga earlier in his career. They yep. struggled there with his weight as well. Now, he he played every snap as an offensive lineman, but um, for for a defensive lineman who's that big, you have to – it's hard to be conditioned to play an entire game unless you've done it. So if you didn't do it mm-hmm. at Georgia, you ain't doing it your first three games in the NFL. That doesn't, <laughs> that wouldn't make much sense. Um, he is a superhuman athlete, but he gets tired mm-hmm. quickly, as you can see. And when a guy like that, that big gets tired, he loses pad level, loses technique. And when a guy like that loses pad level and technique, uh, because he doesn't have a very refined arsenal of pass rush moves or much more than that, then he becomes sort of, obsolete in the game at that point mm-hmm. so they have to pick and choose the spots where they're going to play him and they have to continue to work with him uh on the weight on the conditioning on the technique on the leverage and uh they knew that so mm-hmm. i know when i said that to people early on they're like oh well then why are they trying it up oh well, he's not the pick i thought he would be no he can still be the pick that you thought he'd be but they knew what he was when they drafted yeah. him they also knew they had great depth on the d-line um and that you hope by two, three, four years down the road that the conditioning's there, the technique is there, that his arsenal of maybe pass rush moves is a little more refined. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and Greg Cosell does a great job of explaining this. Like right now, he is a strength player, but not a power player. Mm-hmm. What, that, what Greg says is he gets by on being bigger and stronger than the guy in front of you. saw him push, uh, push, push, um, the backup center back a couple of times there. Cam Jurgens, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, um, the other, guy in, from Washington. In, in, other in guy Washington from Washington. Game. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. A couple of times he's just bigger and just pushed him back. Mm-hmm. That's just because he's stronger. Uh, a power player, someone who plays with power on the defensive line, can take their force, their speed. You hear you hear the term speed to power, right? Mm-hmm. They can use the ground as their um, accomplice, right? They that foot churn. You, you you stick your foot in the ground, you stick your other foot in the ground, you're starting to generate torque and mass, and it's all going forward, and you put a swim move or a hand move or a slap on someone, and all that comes in that momentum right at the quarterback, and you push the pocket or you sack the guy, right? Mm-hmm. He's not a power player. He has not learned yet how to channel the massive body and use the, the, the space, the ground, all of that to turn that get off, at line mm-hmm. of scrimmage into a power rush. Right now, he's just a big dude who's too much bigger than the guy in front of him. Um, and they knew that. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a work in progress. I think by the end of the year, he'll be playing more snaps than you're seeing playing now. I think the pass rushing part is probably going to be, you know, we're talking 2023 and beyond before before you really start to see the effects of it. That's fine. And do but speak to him as a as, as a player and as a teammate. Like mm-hmm. you, you talk to people. You see him in the, the locker room. This seems like this. He seems like a really good kid. Like he somebody who's just a good kid. He seems like someone who's, who's who's willing to learn from the veterans. Who seems to understand the assignment. Like he's not going to be somebody who's going to necessarily complain or 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 whine about a lack of snaps. Yes, good kid. Good head on his shoulders. Good teammate. Hard worker. 
Uh, and and I'm I'm gonna uh, go ahead and assume I haven't really asked about this. I could, but when they were scouting and they realized what his pluses were and what his minuses were, I'm gonna assume that they thought the good head on the shoulders mm-hmm. will help him overcome the minuses. He'll work toward it. I mean, in some regard, they probably felt the same way about Jalen Hurts. He was never drafted to be the starter, mm-hmm. but he was drafted higher than a lot of people thought he would go. And maybe the Eagles saw. The, the one thing you never questioned about him was the work ethic, the desire, the toughness. That was there in college. So I imagine that they felt that there was an opportunity for him to really develop as a quarterback if put in that situation because they knew the head was on the shoulders the right way. The the mind was wired the right way. Now, is, I guess the situation with, with Davis, does that extend itself to Dean as well? Because we – who's also not necessarily getting on. Uh... No, I think it's different, JB. I, and I, I I understand why people ask this question, but the, the only thing I would say to people is like, you, you're watching the game. You, you see how good TJ Edwards is playing right now. Mm-hmm. He is not just their, an improved linebacker. When they go to dime, he's the dime linebacker. Nobody would have ever thought this guy would be a coverage linebacker, right? Because mm-hmm. White was supposed to be the coverage linebacker, but he's even playing as good, if not better than Kaiser White. And so when they're in nickel, it's, TJ Edwards and Kaiser White, and they're very rarely in a three linebacker, a base formation. And if they do, they just kind of bring Hassan Reddick in as a linebacker who's not rushing the passer. So the only thing I can say is that really there's nowhere to get Nicobe Dean on the field right now where you're <laughs> getting an increased level of play. And that's a great thing to say about Eagles linebackers because heck, mm-hmm. how, when's the last time you could say that Eagles really can't use an upgrade at, at linebacker? But the mm-hmm. way – right now, that's the way it is. Down the road, even later this year, maybe you see it happen because it, it's it's fair to say, is this sustainable by TJ and Kaiser to be playing this well for 17 weeks? We'll see. But as of now, it's it's if it's not broken, you don't fix it, you know? Okay. Now, while we're talking about the defense, there were also a few additions and – such to the secondary this year you got you brought in Bradbury you brought in Gardner Johnson you still got Vontae Maddox in the slot you Mike Epps I mean sorry Marcus Epps not Mike Mike Epps Epps. (laughs) Marcus Epps is your starting it's not Day-Day back there they don't have Day-Day in the backfield (laughs) in the defensive backfield forgive me honest mistake it's okay yeah Marcus Epps playing safety on the starting the Areas coming together, like of course, the last two weeks you had you gave up a what, six and or seven and eight points, was it? Well, seven yeah. and six points, yeah, yeah, because the two points was a safety. Oh, good point, good point. Yeah, they've been uh, so the, what they're doing on the back end is a lot different than what they did last year, mm-hmm. and everybody hated what they did last year, but you have to understand. <laughs> You're limited when you have Anthony Harris out there, when you've got the linebackers at the time that they were trying, Eric Wilson, and um, who was not the coverage linebacker they thought he would be, Davion Taylor, uh, Rodney McLeod was at the end. Like, So what they're doing now, because they added coverage guys at their positions, is they're a little smaller, so you can run on them. We've seen teams run on them, but mm-hmm. they're, they're really starting to get into this sort of Vic Fangio style of – Mirror match coverage, pattern match coverage. So the the Washington's whole mo in that game was like we want to try to take McLaurin and Dotson and Logan Thomas and run a lot of crossing routes over the middle and you know hit them there. And the Eagles did a great job of 
being sticky for those first, you know, two or three yards of the route and then passing off to another guy like TJ or the safety, Chauncey Gardner, and mm. he takes the coverage and he's sticky. So that closes all those lanes and it makes you have to then look to the perimeter. But you saw every time Carson couldn't get that first read and had to look anywhere else, he had like a 320-pound dude in his face or on his back or wringing his neck or slapping the ball out of his hand. And, and he's to blame for that too. But the point is – this is a style of defense, the blitzing that you're seeing, the up coverage on uh, on receivers, um, you know, playing one safety deep instead of two sometimes, playing a little cover one robber. That That's all made possible by having guys on the back end who can run and cover more so than last year with Steven Nelson instead of Bradbury. You had to back him off like 10 yards because you didn't think he could turn and run. You know, your safeties, Anthony Harris, even Rodney, you're, you're worried like if I play press coverage – and the receiver beats my guy at the line of scrimmage is run downfield. Is my safety gonna be able to like catch him? Is he gonna mm-hmm. be able to get there in time? So John Gannon has a lot more options of what he can do in the in the defense. And after week one, I think he started to show it, and that's that's good. He needs to do that for the rest of the year. How impressed are you? How much credit are you willing to give Jonathan Gannon to the way this defensive play has played so far this season? Well, you know, it's it's like you never want to like jump the gun early and after one game or two games. But what what pleased me, JB, was in the Washington game in the second half, he threw a couple of couple of seven man rushes at, mm-hmm. at Washington. So that showed me he's not just saying we're up by two and a half touch you know touchdowns. I'm gonna sit back and and go all Ed Donatel on on uh, on the team like the Vikings defensive coordinator did to Jalen Hurts. He he still decided to put his foot on the pedal there, and I respect that. So, all right. So <laughs> let now nah, let's I want to flip to the other side of the ball for you guys a second. smoke too much weed before this show, don't you? <laughs> no, I'm, 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 just kidding, I'm just messing around. Nah, <laughs> it's, the question is what's in these cups. We Maybe sent, that we would have sent some your way if that was <laughs> the Mike Epps reference sort of put me on to <laughs> But no, let's let's talk about the offense for a second. Okay. Um switch gears a little bit. Jalen Hurts getting lots of love. Everybody nationally talk about top two, top three MVP conversation and all this good stuff. And we're absolutely seeing a lot of improvement from him as opposed to what we saw last year. Yep. Yep. My concern at this point is through 12 quarters played of football, I would say we've seen five good offensive quarters, <laughs> and by and by that I mean quarters where they saw scored any points at all. Yeah, uh, th- I get, I got you. And then you. you, your second halves, you've scored one of one of six and no fir- no fourth quarters. So there's a little bit of inconsistency or streakiness to this offense. It is. How? How do they? How are they going about trying to address the concerns of getting more consistent with that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the important thing is in both games. I don't think they took their foot off the pedal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. look, go back to the Vikings game where they didn't score in the second half. I mean, they had a block kick, so they they literally drove down the field, just had a block kick. Okay, mm-hmm. um, they had they were driving down the field again and could have possibly scored if Kenny Gainwell sort of doesn't butterfingers the pass and turns into an interception, right? Mm-hmm. So they're passing the ball. They're trying to score. Like, that was not – to me, it was not an issue of 
being passive because you're up. And then same thing last game. I think they just didn't execute as well as they did in the first half. And that can, can that be corrected? Sure. Can that just be sort of coincidental? Sure. It's also not common for even really good NFL teams to score touchdowns on three consecutive drives either. So they're Mm -hmm. streaky. You just hit it. They're streaky. Um, But I don't think they are doing a bad job of play calling or just relaxing. I think teams are going to make adjustments. They're going to see some things that they don't see early on. The Eagles offense is very good. So you can, they can easily catch somebody by surprise. Uh, before the game kind of settles in a little bit. So I, I I understand concern. I think it's fair to say concern. But my mm-hmm. concern isn't that that they're just coasting in the second half. So given that, what should, in your opinion, what should the confidence level be in this team? Because you know, you know how fans operate. You know, there are people. <laughs> it's either Eagles stick or Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Exactly. There's no gray area around here. We don't do gray area. It's hey, so we're right. going all the way. <laughs> Our quarterback is the MVP. Brady, who, uh, you know, all that, mm. or fire everybody, trade everyone, and when can we see Gardner Minshew? So you know, <laughs> that's so right. You're so. Right. Do you guys remember in 2017? Um, you know, the Super Bowl year, the Eagles won like mm-hmm. 10, 10 straight games, and then they went out on the West Coast and played Seattle. And they lost that game. Uh, and the next day, there was so much. I knew they weren't real. They couldn't beat a good team. Mm-hmm. It was exactly. so fast how things turned. And that's sort of my fear for this team. I think this team is very good. I think their 53 is outstanding. Their starting 22 is, very, is, is comparable with anybody out there. Mm-hmm. What they have on the perimeter as far as weaponry with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and then Dallas Goddard. And like you guys said, Jalen Hurts' development this year, I, I didn't even see it being this good. So I'll be the first to admit. So, and what they're doing defensively, very, very good. But they're not perfect. They're not unbeatable. They are not the 85 Bears, so to speak, where they're going to clean everybody's clocks by 34 points. Okay. They're going to lose a game at some mm-hmm. point. And I would love to sit here and tell you that I hope people can appreciate if they're five and one after six games, but mm-hmm. lost that six game that everybody doesn't just like start firing the coach and telling saying the quarterback doesn't have it and just be patient expect them to lose a couple of games i mean they they're not so much better in my opinion than any other team in the NFL that they should be like considered uh undefeated having said that watch them go like start off 13 and I, <laughs> I i don't know but even the even the 2004 team which was almost like for the NFC, far and above everybody. I mean, they come out yes. guns a blazing. They go to Pittsburgh and they lost, and they were seven and one. And uh, I still remember some of the the backlash for that. But they're mm-hmm. going to lose a game, but they are competitive. So you should expect them to be there at the end when the playoffs. They, they they're a playoff team. I don't know if they're a one seed, a three seed, a five. I don't care. They're a playoff mm-hmm. team. They should be. There you have it. See, play. Jeff Moses just promised the Super Bowl. That's what I heard. That, that, that's, that's what, what it sounded like to me. You know? <laughs> but, but no, I, I guess honestly, and and you you know how it is. And there's still a lot of there's still a lot of people with, with, with tempered expectations, and they're not quite sure. You're three games in, and there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities for yeah, but well, yeah, listen. they got three wins. But they haven't scored in the second half in in the last two. It, it, yeah, Jalen mm-hmm. Hurts. You know, yeah, Jalen Hurts has. You know, he he's looked better, but 
You know, it, mm. it it was Detroit, it was Washington, it was Minnesota. You know, things like you could, you know, how this works. You know, I know, but I think I know why it works that way. It took me a long time to figure this out, but oh, I I believe I have the answer. I honestly okay. think it is very generational. Um, and what I mean is, I think people, men of a certain age like us, mm. <laughs> where we've seen a lot. Yeah. I mean, we have seen a ton. And I think about how we think about the Phillies. Everybody thinks they're going to blow it. Why? Because they always they, blow it. They right? always blow it. Yeah. Right. But if you're 15 True years enough. old, if you're 15 years old and you really were too young for like 2007, 2008, 2009, right? You're just like back in your glory. You're like, oh, this is great. The Phillies are really good again. And they might make the playoffs. Like, you want to hear none of this. I've seen this collapse crap. So I, I honestly think the older people are the more skeptical they get for obvious reasons because they've mm. seen scar tissue. Yes. And they've seen it all. And sometimes I think those who think that nothing's ever going to go wrong or hate it when you say something critical about the team or they're young. And I was like that. I remember being young, listening to sports talk radio and thinking to myself, do these guys even like these teams? Like they were so critical, (laughs) but they were the guys who had worn the battle scars already. Right. They were usually Mm -hmm. guys who covered today. They knew what I didn't know as young Jeffrey. Right. So we've just seen it so that's why i think we all have a great perspective right now let's let's just take it game by game let's not put the eagles in the super bowl mm-hmm. let's recognize what they are a very good team if they lose a game okay all right let's see how it goes but we don't we shouldn't make every week a referendum on somebody's future for the next 10 years okay one last uh one last point about uh jalen hurst before we start we pivot towards this next game like you've seen him in the locker in the locker room and I guess trying to maneuver my way through the the talk of the last couple of years, uh-huh. whereas the quarterback that he replaced, there was some criticism about him in the locker room, how, how he was as a leader. Whereas we got we now have a quarterback who seems to really talk that talk very well. Yeah. One thing he's been consistent about since he's been mm-hmm. here is talking the talk of a franchise quarterback. Whether mm-hmm. you know at, at this point, like how much can we put in can we put into that? How much is he is he really that much better of a leader than the quarterback he replaced? Or is some of that criticism that his predecessor got is that overblown? No, I think that there's some definitely something to be made about how relatable he is to everybody uh, around him and how hard he works. And listen, I think the biggest thing is accountability. So when you're accountable as a mm-hmm. quarterback, your teammates recognize that. And then when you screw up, they want to like be accountable for you. Or if they screw up, they want to be accountable to him because they know he's accountable for them. That's why after a win, it's never good enough. After a good performance, it could be better. After a loss, it gets flushed down the toilet, and we pick ourselves up and get, get back. I, I, I don't. I would say Carson Wentz was probably not the most accountable guy, and I don't know if he realized it or not. It may be just how he was wired, but um, being coachable and being accountable are big with Jalen Hurts, and that was, was Carson Wentz not coachable. I mean, I you had more you had more interaction with him than we did. You and you had more. You have more access to insight than we have. Was Carson Wentz just was he in a way not coachable? So, I think oh, well, what I what I know is, and by the way, it's funny that you bring that up. We just had on Inside the Birds um, a great interview with former Eagles quarterbacks coach John D. Filippo. 
that, that was just for our Patreon subscribers. So if you want to check it out, you have to be a, a subscriber to patreon.com slash inside the birds. Uh, but I will al allow this. He He's kind of been considered the only person to get through to Carson on a lot of things, both mechanical upstairs and, mm -hmm. and, with the, and physical. And we we started inside the birds in 2018 after the Super Bowl. And John had gone on to um, the Vikings, I think, after that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that we were told and turned out to be true was be careful now that he's got a new coach. And especially it became like Press Taylor, I think it was, or mm -hmm. Mike Grow first. That, it was guys that he – that needed to challenge him more and that he needed – Carson needed to have more respect for because clearly you started to see that without John Filippo there and Frank Reich too – but I think more so Filippo than Reich, to be honest with you, because that's his position coach. Um, I think the there, there an a sense of entitlement after playing at an MVP level developed there. And some of the things that John was able to get him to correct started to come back. You know, he does it to now. You can see he's got an overstride. You saw it um, in the game. Like when he wants to launch a deep ball, he takes the most – his feet are this far apart. And that's mm -hmm. common among quarterbacks who have bad footwork. Uh, John was able to get him to tighten that up. But again, when you're the relationship you have with one coach is completely different. And if he had a different relationship with different position coach and he felt like this new relationship, I'm not challenged as much. And I can, I can kind of call the shots mm -hmm. that happens. And that's where it went downhill for Carson. And I think it's never been the same for him as far as the accountability. I talked about the ability to be challenged and take that challenging and take to that coaching. Okay, so I have one last question about Jalen Hurts. And, of course, it's way too early to ask this question, which is, why it, which is why it's fun to ask. Exactly where does he need to be by the end of the year to have the team start thinking about an extension? Or are they already thinking about an extension? How could you not? I mean, you know, he, if he's playing at this level for – and when I say at this level – you know, again, goes back to the conversation where if he has a bad game, that doesn't like negate mm -hmm. the whole year, right? Right. But if he plays at a the way he's playing now, or even close to that level, if he's ball, if his ball distribution is the way it's been, if his technique and his footwork and mechanics are there, if he's not leaving the pocket early and leaving plays on the field like he's been doing better, um, then he'll he'll get a contract extension. Uh, you know. If people are like, well, what if he loses his first round? If he doesn't win a playoff game, it's not going to happen. And I say, well, what if he loses 40 to 38? Like that mm -hmm. Bill's, Bill's um, Chiefs game, you know? Like you can't just put a he's got to win a playoff game on it. It's yeah. about how it happens, matters. How it wins. Yeah. Right, right. Now, if he goes out there and has another one that looks like the Bucks playoff game from last year. <sighs> Uh, yeah. th that might raise some questions. Yeah, only if th if that's it. all right. If he does that in the playoffs mm -hmm. after 17 weeks of playing at a really high level, I, I think that you say, all right, it was just, you're, you're a, it's a playoff team now. It's tougher. I still saw a lot of improvement. Mm -hmm. So we mm -hmm. and what's my alternative? Trying to draft a guy to hope to get to that level. So which is possible. You know, you never really hang out with the Eagles. But I, I think it's just got to be more than what he does in one game. You know, it's got to be like oh. the full mm -hmm. body of work. All right. Well, look, coming in this week, an old familiar face, uh, the coach that 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 led us to a a championship, 
Now, with Doug Peterson coming to town, uh, Jeff, let me ask you a question. When were you ready for the end when when it was Doug? Oh, was I ready for it? Like, mm-hmm. um, I would say, well, listen, I mean, we had a we had a lot of intel um for that murky week and a half period where it's like he had the first meeting with Jeffrey Lurie, but then there was another one scheduled. We knew look, and we reported it. We knew it was gonna come down to is Doug gonna be keeping his coaching staff or is he going to make major changes? And Jeffrey wanted to hear major changes, different, different vision. And Doug, I credit Doug for this, by the way, after having a couple of seasons there where he basically had his staff decided hirings and firings for him said, no, you're not telling me whether I'm hiring and firing my coaches. I'm, if this is the line you're drawing, then I'm on the other side of it. I respect that because he mm-hmm. probably knew he was going to get fired if he didn't acquiesce and he didn't acquiesce. And now he's got um, another franchise to try to lead and and probably use the experiences he had with the Eagles to the Jaguars. But I always found that whole – if you remember the press conference, Jeffrey mm-hmm. literally said Doug Peterson did not deserve to get fired. In the press conference mm-hmm. to announce his firing, he's firing. He said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, very awkward. Um, but the Eagles tend to be a little awkward with their, their bottom-out years like – you know, yeah. it hits the fan really, really quickly Un- here. <laughs> Un- you know, maybe that just that probably just speaks to Jeff Lurie and the fact that he just doesn't do it that often. You know, he's he 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 comes in, uh, co-tight as his coach. Yep. Immediately gets with a uh, co-tight, and then you know Ray Rose. Then you have Andy Reid for what, fourteen years, 14 fifteen years. years. Yep. Yep. So. Mm. It's not like he's had a lot of practice getting rid of these guys. No, he has not. I, I, we could do a whole show someday. I'll leave <laughs> you guys with this. A whole show on what if the Eagles got plan A instead of plan B? Like, what if the Eagles had hired Ben McAdoo instead mm. of Doug Peterson? What if Carson Wentz had actually fulfilled his contract and, and was a decent quarterback and they didn't go to Jalen Hurts? What if... Byron Jones had accepted the huge offer that Howie <laughs> gave to him instead of Miami's offer because then the mm-hmm. Eagles wouldn't have gotten Darius Slay, right? What, mm-hmm. what if the Eagles had signed Marcus Williams to play safety this year? Would they have had the money? Or my, forget that. What if the Eagles had gotten Allen Robinson or traded for Calvin Ridley instead of what happened with Calvin? No, A.J. Brown. Not A.J. Brown. Like, their plan B, and sometimes you got to be looking lucky instead of good, right? I mean, there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Howie Roseman, the best plan B planner in the history of. Oh man, uh, man, Jeff, I th- appreciate you coming on with us a lot, though. We know you got to get out of here. We don't want to take too much more of your time. But, but what, before what can you we run Sunday, what can we expect on Sunday? Good though? game. I think it's going to be a good game. Um, I, you know, I think the Eagles are going to win. I probably predict them to win, but I think it'll be a little bit different than we've seen the last two weeks. Got you, got you. All right, let us know where where can people find you? Where can people talk to Jeff Motion and get all this good insight? All right, there's Inside the Birds on every major podcast platform. There's InsideTheBirds.com. There's Inside the Birds YouTube channel. Inside the Birds pregame show and postgame show are on the Inside the Birds YouTube channel and other socials. We're on uh, 97.5 The Fanatic Monday nights from 6 to 8. And like I mentioned, our Patreon channel, it's for subscribers, where we give bonus exclusive podcasts and content, patreon.com slash Inside the Birds. All right, good stuff. This a boss. (laughs) Jeff Mosher's a boss. I learned it from watching you, man. (laughs) (laughs) 
Matt, you if, if you did, that's because oh, you said this. You see those two guys? I'm gonna do the exact opposite of what they do, <laughs> and then I'm gonna and and I'm gonna be not a true. star in this city. Not true, not true. You guys are the best. <laughs> nah, man, oh, man, we appreciate you. you, man. Thank you, brother. Anytime, appreciate man. Have you, a man. great one. All right, All you right. too. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Motion. Oh, always fun. Oh, always fun. Always fun. Remember, you can download this podcast and everything we do at bitwsports.com or you can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at bitwsports or at Jonesy and Brown. It's a good day of talking. We did a lot of talking today. A lot of sports today. Shout out to my man, Mike Patton, host of the Touring the AFC South podcast had me and Jonesy on here today. Oh, yeah. Check out his show. We were on there tonight as well. Shout out to my man, Mike Patton, always putting out quality content. We got to step and- our features game up, man. Me and you got to get on. We got to get on more uh, other people's podcasts. We we let a lot of people on. We have a lot of good guests. Oh, we just going to start studio crashing. Oh, you recorded when? We here. Oh, yeah. oh, oh we're? Yeah. We just show up. That, that mm-hmm. needs to happen. I'm with you on that. I am definitely with you on that. Well, anyway, man, let's get out of here. That is Mike Jones. That's John Brown. I am John Brown. And we will see you guys next time. Enjoy the sports. Peace, y'all. If you feel on this podcast, to hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown.